0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, by all accounts, it is springtime again. And for me, and for millions of kids, and their parents everywhere, it's time to turn our attention to baseball and softball in our towns and communities. And of course, introducing our kids to play Little League Baseball and softball, well, it's an American rite of passage. It's a tradition that goes back more than 70 years in this country, and of course, Little League Baseball has become an international sensation as well. Simple truth is, Little League Baseball, as a brand, has come to represent all the right and good things when it comes to youth sports in this country. And most importantly, Little League is all about safety for our young ball players. But is that really true? And even more than that, Little League Baseball, like so many youth sports in this country, has been undergoing some major transformations in terms of its popularity. Now, just very quickly, Little League Baseball was born in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, back in the late 1940s. It's grown steadily in the decades since. Its popularity especially fueled when their World Series championship games and many of their regional games are televised by ABC and ESPN. And as you probably know, these days, ESPN pays millions of dollars for the rights to televise those games. And, of course, major corporate sponsors also spend big bucks to be affiliated with Little League Baseball. In short, these days, Little League Baseball is big, big business. But along the way, well, Little League Baseball has not always been on top of their game when it comes to protecting the players. And on today's show, I want to do a history and recap some of the various issues that Little League has had to confront. Several issues, quite frankly, that, in my opinion the Little League administration was a tad slow to recognize and to do the right thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I still believe that Little League baseball is a wonderful institution and that young kids still look forward to opening day in their Towns League. They love going out and being cheered by their parents. But the truth is, Little League baseball has been seeing its numbers drop dramatically in recent years. The issue of pitching safety related to kids under the age of 13 throwing curves and sliders, that's a concern. Kids and pitch counts. The continuing challenge to figure out which bats to use and which ones are safe. All these issues continue to crop up each year and there are continuing concerns about youngsters trying to pitch in games and not only can't throw strikes, but because they can't throw strikes, they put real fear into young batters. And the biggest concern of all, With Little League Baseball, particularly in these parts when the weather is cold in the spring, the games are so long and so boring. And on top of all this, baseball, our national pastime, seems to be drifting farther away in terms of attracting new players. That's a real, real concern. In short, Little League Baseball is going to have to need, is going to need to have to figure out a way to to reinvent itself. Okay, a lot of ground to cover. And to do this, I've asked my Longtime colleague, Steve Callis, to come on the show this morning to discuss all of these things. Now, Steve, is, as many of you know, is a longtime contributor to the Sports Edge and a New York City attorney. He's also the sports director of WestchesterCountyPost.com and the head of a Facebook group, Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis. In fact, I would definitely encourage you to check out this Facebook group, Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis, and consider joining It's all sports all the time. Okay, Steve, good morning. Uh, A lot of ground to cover here, but let's start first with the decline of Little League and its popularity.
0: Yep, great to be with you as always, Rick. I'll start right with Little League Baseball, where um, I've mostly researched from the 2019 Little League season. As you know, in 2020, there was no. Williamsport tournament at all last Mm -hmm. year. There was a modified just U.S. tournament. So I think it would be unfair, because the numbers probably are really down the last two years, obviously. But in the Delhi Herald of Everett, Washington, state of Washington, May twenty second, 2019, author Joshua Horton uh, said the following, uh, while Kevin Fountain, who is the Little League International Director of Media Relations, admitted uh, that since the late 90s and early 2000s, when the Little League participation was the highest, since then, uh, generally up to 3% decline in registered players every year since then. So that's a big number, and it comes right from Little League, so there's no dispute about that. Um, well, let that just, that
1: just sink in for a second. As you said, the Little League sort of reached its uh, height of popularity, I'm guessing the late 1990s, early yep. uh, Uh, 2000s, you're telling me they're saying that they're losing 3% of their enrollment every year since then? That's 20 years since then. Uh, Up
0: up to 3%. That's what they stated. So we have to think probably the numbers are more, but whatever. I don't want to get into that spitting contest. But I wanted to give you some specific numbers from a well-known Little League. And if you follow Little League Baseball at all, you'll know this league. Warner Robins, Georgia, is a team... Little League in Warner Robins, Georgia, is a team that won the whole thing in 2007, mm-hmm. went back to the Final Eight in 2011. Mm-hmm. And there is another recent article, August 23rd, 2019, where they quote Chris Chavoux, I hope I pronounced his name right, C H A V O U S, who in 2015 became the president of the Little League in Warner Robins, but also played years ago in the Little League. He's a lifer at warner robbins and he was discussing how in his little league uh a year or two after they won the world series in 2007 they had a thousand or more kids registered as of 2019 and again we're not going to go to 2020 or 21 they only had 524 kids and there's a whole article uh about essentially what happened and they not only talk about This Little League, and I want to give you a quote from Chris Chavous at the end, but I just wanted to give you a bigger picture for the Southeast region, and I'll just give you a quick quote with these numbers that are incredible. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution estimated that Little League participation in the Southeast region, composed of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia, has dropped 43% since 2007. What? 43%? forty three percent this is an
1: area where the weather is good and baseball has been uh... It's hot. <laughs> yeah it's been a rock-solid foundation for years you said Warner Robbins won the, the championship in two thousand and seven. We're not talking like fifty years ago.
0: Correct. And they also had, just in that same paragraph, the Glastonbury Little League up in Connecticut, Rick. Yeah. Uh, not not prime baseball weather, as you know. Uh, they had nine hundred and forty seven kids register for either baseball or softball in two thousand and nineteen, down from over fifteen hundred in the mid two thousands.
1: All right. So so what? Why is this happening? Is it because that baseball is uh, no longer popular with kids? Is it because um, uh, there are concerns uh, that the, the, if, your kid, if you feel your kid at age 9 or 10 is, is a pretty good ball player, are you just going to say, oh, fine, I'm going to get my kid out of Little League and take him over to a travel or a club team? Uh, is, is that what's the reason for this drop-off in enrollment? Uh,
0: I think that's right. To me, the travel teams... And look, my son played on a travel team, but the travel teams have essentially made Little League almost wreck baseball. When you look at, you think you're watching the best players in the country who are 11, 12, and now 13 with that dopey age increase a few years ago. If you think those are the best 11 and 12, 13-year-olds in the country... Very few of them are among that group. Some of them will play Little League and a travel team, which we'll talk about later when we get into pitch counts. But um, I think for the most part, Little League has become secondary as a baseball place to play but also all the other things you've talked about the game is viewed to be too slow you always have the uh the bad kids in right field please don't hit it there um but i also think today now with these e-sports which i know you've actually done some shows on already Rick, of course sure. um, you know people are sitting on their couch playing baseball on a computer or something uh so i think it's partly e-sports partly what's viewed to be the boredom of baseball you and i of course are baseball guys and just think it's so much more sophisticated than anything else that you can have time to think between pitches but i think it's partly that i think it's partly the rules i think it's partly little league who will tell you all the things they've done can even do more and i know we'll get to that later as well what can what can we do for baseball frankly but yes i think the the things you've just enumerated are kind of the reason for it, and there just doesn't seem to be that love of baseball. You know, we've criticized MLB for years for starting the World Series when they start the World Series, and, you know, kids can't watch the end of World Series games anymore. Whatever we think of football, and I love football, but the Super Bowl starts at 6.15 in the East or 6.30 in the East every year. I know it's one day, but they should start all World Series baseball games at, like, 7 p.m. so kids can watch it, but they don't. Ta- and it comes from all of these places, I yeah,
1: think. Yeah, uh, but we're talking this morning, of course, with Steve Callis. We're talking about what in the world is happening to Little League Baseball. The numbers uh, are just staggering in terms of the drop-off of kids signing up. And we're finding out, well, what's causing this is because the game is considered to be boring uh, for little kids. It's too tough to play. Is because the kids who are talented tend to be siphoned off into travel and club teams. All this and a lot more we want to cover this morning here on the Sports Edge. Let me take a time out. When I return, I'll go wrap and back to our conversation with Steve. Stay with me. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. My, my guest this morning is Steve Callis. We're talking about Little League and uh, you know, the general concerns we've had over the years with Little League. And now, of course, we just mentioned in the first segment about the, the uh, declining numbers of kids playing ball. We know that Major League Baseball has a problem. There's always concerns about, uh, you know, the fact that they've allowed defensive shifts and the game has now become ruled by analytics when it's all about power pitching and power hitting. Uh, The game has become, unfortunately, boring at the big league level. Now the question is, is all filtering down to the kids at the younger level? But for years, we've known that Little League Baseball has an issue because kids are not gifted at a very young age, when they're six or seven or eight just learning the game, they're still trying to figure out the skills and how to master them. But yet, literally baseball traditionally in this country is a game of just kids staying around in the outfield for a couple hours, bored. There's nothing going on. Pitchers really can't throw strikes. Batters aren't really gifted yet to hit, hit the ball anywhere. It's a tough sell, and it's getting increasingly more difficult. But there's more to this. Some years ago, and, and Steve, you'll certainly attest to this, I asked uh, Steve Keener, who is the president and CEO of Little League Baseball, about why, why doesn't the league stop kids, young kids, from trying to throw curveballs or sliders? Uh, and, and Keener said to me on the air, on WFAN, he said, Rick, uh, we don't encourage that, but we don't know how to stop kids from throwing curveballs and sliders. And I was just absolutely stupefied. I said to him i said you know mr keener all you have to do is empower the umpires who are working the game uh from behind home plate and they see a kid trying to throw a curveball or a slider you know just stop the game and very very graciously go out to the kid and to the coach and say we don't allow you to throw curves or sliders here Uh, and so that's basically your first sort of caution and if you do it again I'll come out to you and then say to the coach, let's remove this youngster from the pitching mound and put him out somewhere in the field because we are trying to protect his arm. And this all came from the advice of the noted orthopedic surgeon, Dr. James Andrews, who says, and still says to this day, that kids should not be throwing curves or sliders until they're old enough to shave. And I asked Dr. Andrews, again, who's on a guest on my show, what age is that? He said, at least 14. <laughs> and, and he had, Every year, Steve, and this is, you know, where we're going with this, every year we watch games televised uh, on ESPN, the commentators make a big deal talking about the pitchers who are probably 11, 12, maybe 13. They're all throwing, you know, they call them breaking balls. But you and who I know they're curveballs and sliders, and they do it, you know, repeatedly. And yet it's like, <laughs> you know, you see, when I say to parents and to the coaches, you understand teenagers who suffer arm injuries like, oh, their elbow and their growth plates aren't aren't fully uh you know, fixed yet. You know, having having Tommy John surgery at a young age, it's not good. I mean Dr. Andrews, I believe, said that the the, the, the cure rate for lack of a better term is like only seventy to seventy five percent with kids, teenagers going through Tommy John surgery. So you gotta be very careful about this.
0: Yeah, and specifically on curveballs, I read an article from a few years ago about Doctor Timothy Kremchek who you will know as the Cincinnati Reds orthopedic guy for 25 years, Mm -hmm. and um, we'll get into something with pitch counts in a little bit, but specifically on curveballs, he said it was, quote, irresponsible, close quote, of Little League not to try and govern curveballs, to ban curveballs, and he himself in the Cincinnati area was able to get seven or eight little leagues to ban curveballs and when confronted with this Keener said well that's a very good idea but we just think it's too hard to um, (laughs) implement and it's so you know as if you can't tell a curveball from a fastball that moves a little uh, with 12 year olds Rick so Kremtek has been at the fight he's He's not quite Dr. Andrews, but he's been in that fight for pitch counts and for curveballs. And, of course, he's done a ton of uh, Tommy John surgeries on past Little Leaguers before they were 16 years old.
1: So my, my, my basic point of all this, and, uh, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Dr. Kremchek, is the fact that parents, if you're watching Little League baseball on TV and you're thinking, well, shall I let my kid throw curveballs and sliders? Well, if they're doing it and they're allowing it in Little League, I guess it's OK. I guess it's safe. Even though there are a lot of top physicians and surgeons saying, uh, no, they should not be doing that. And again, Keener knows this. So he was asked directly about this 10 years ago and said, no, yeah, we can't stop it. Yeah, you can stop it. It's easy to stop. Let's move on to the whole thing about, about pitch counts. Steve, give us a real quick uh, recap on this whole history because I think a lot of people will think that this was something that basically was just uh, cooked up by Little League and it was done with uh, but, but total free will. And it's not exactly what happened here.
0: Well, Little League in 2007, and we gave them great credit for it at the time, did institute a pitch count for the first time, first league. and they passed. you know, six innings, you could have thrown 60 pitches. You could have thrown 160 pitches. It didn't matter. But they did after listening to Dr. James Andrews. Now, Dr. Andrews and his number two, uh, Glenn Fleisick, they recommended 75 pitches per game and 100 pitches in a week. There was even a video of Dr. Andrews saying we had to fudge up the 75 to 85 to get Little League to approve it. And that's what was instituted. Uh, However, they never told Dr. Andrews that they just unilaterally changed the days of rest. He said, you pitch up to 75 or 85, you need four days of rest. And unbeknownst to Andrews and Flysick, Little League just changed it from four days to three days in the regular season and two days in what becomes the wacky, you know, Williamsport tournament. So guys could literally pitch Monday, Thursday, Sunday and throw 255 pitches in a seven day span. We talked a lot about it at the time. I right. did some research. Uh, I remember a kid named Kyle Kotkamp from Ohio who threw 237 pitches in a week or eight days. And we had written some crazy numbers and only CC Sabathia that year he pitched on Three Days Rest for the Brewers had thrown more. Nobody else in the major leagues had thrown more. Um, you got doctor, uh, you got are on your show to say, oh, if Doctor, you know, Andrews comes to me with this kind of complaint, all blah 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 blah. Yeah,
1: I just want to point out this 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 Kyle Kotkamp with all those pitches in one week. That was all legal. It was all allowed it was, under
0: it was all legal under Little League
1: rules at the time.
0: Yes, the end of the Kyle Kott camp, and there was another kid on his team who threw a lot of numbers, the, a lot of pitches. The end of that story is uh, Tim Kremchek in Ohio. Uh, performed tommy john surgery on both of them by the time they were 16 so <laughs> but with respect to the pitch counts, now i eventually spoke to dr andrews i had an interview it was steve Callis, wfan you know and he was very nice and i said are you concerned that they've changed the days of rest from four to three to two and steve keener had said if you were concerned he would look at it and he had no idea had happened And he was, I won't say livid, but upset. I asked him, well, what about, can you throw 255 pitches in seven days in the Little League? And he said, "Uh, that would be very worrisome to me. That's the most he said to me. And then a year later, in 2009, They changed it to this day now, Little League. It's always four days of rest when you go between 66 and 85 pitches. However, Rick, he also recommended years ago 100 pitches a week. And as you know, if you pitch with four days of rest, you can throw 170 pitches in six days. To this day, that's 70% more than Dr. Andrews has recommended. So it's no secret why you have all these Tommy John surgeries, including Dr. Kremchek, who on Real Sports a couple years after we did all that, work frankly um he said it was abuse to have a kid throw that many pitches in that many days and he's the one who again operated on Carl car camp and the other kid from uh from Ohio so There's a long history. It's still that way today. Yes, you get credit for the four days of rest. No, you don't get credit for throwing 70% more pitches. They've refused to put in a weekly limit in pitch counts. And one more thing I'd like to say, because we also have to talk about travel ball. You know, the star pitchers usually go to a travel team. Some of them try to play both. That's a very dangerous thing. Uh, But baseball heaven out in Yapank, Long Island, a beautiful facility. Uh, You know, I've been out there a number of times. It's beautiful. But they have in their 11-page rules for 2021 last year, they have one line on pitching restrictions, and here's what it says, Rick, quote, baseball heaven does not enforce any pitching restrictions for tournament play. So that means your kid can start Friday, pitch a game, and in theory come back on Sunday and pitch another, and that happens on occasion.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought this up in terms of the impact of, of travel and, and club teams because that's clearly what's going on here. And as it, this really falls upon the parent. If your kid Correct. is a pitcher, uh, you and the kid's pitching a lot, let's say, on Sunday, in a little league game or Saturday, and then he goes to play on his travel team on Monday or Tuesday, you, as the mom or dad, got to say to the coach, no, he pitched and threw a lot of pitches on the weekend. He's not pitching here. Yes. You can put him in the outfield. Or you can have him play infield, but he's not going to pitch. And you got to be pretty uh, emphatic about that because, let's face it, coaches uh, want to win, and they have a kid who can pitch. Yeah, but the problem is every pitch that your kid throws takes something out of him, and that's something that parents just don't seem to understand. Uh, And, again, this is on top of the whole concerns about throwing sliders and curveballs. This is just, again, so Little League has made progress, but as I mentioned at at the top of the show they don't seem to make enough progress fast enough to make sure that everybody understands exactly what, what the priorities are. We're talking with Steve Callis about all this, and Steve, um, before I forget, if people want to hear more about this, can, can you can you steer them to that terrific video that you did about pitch counts and also aluminum bats uh, on the Power Memorial uh, Academy YouTube page? Can you tell people how to find that?
0: Yeah, well, I'll be brief. Uh... Five years ago, as you know, Rick, I was inducted into the Power Memorial Hall of Fame. Five Mm -hmm. years later, I'm the guy who's interviewing all the Hall of Famers. But my videographer, Dennis Mooney, finally talked me into doing my interview. And I'm not going to direct people to my interview, which is very long. But within that, I did a 10-minute thing that is separate about what you and I did all those years ago, about pitch counts and aluminum bats. Don't forget we helped uh, State Senator Jim Otto get wood bats in New York, which Mm -hmm. to this day the world didn't end when they had wood bats. But (laughs) you would go to YouTube. Uh, Power Memorial Academy has its own channel, so you go to YouTube. Just type in Powell Memorial Academy, and when it comes up, there'll be a few videos, but there's one that is just a Powell Memorial logo, and if you click on that, you'll go to 33 Hall of Fame videos, but one will say Steve Callis and Rick Wolf. I think it says Steve Callis and Rick Wolf talk about it. But, of course, it's Steve Callis talking about what Rick Wolf and, to a lesser degree, what I did with respect to pitch counts and Dr. Andrews and aluminum bats also because they used to be weapons. I know we're going to talk about them after the break.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's a great, great resource. Uh, So, yeah, I'm glad you... I'm glad it's posted on the Power Memorial Academy YouTube page. Uh, friends, it's really worth checking out. All right, let me take a, let me take a pause. Uh, after I come back from the commercial break, we'll continue our conversation with Steve Callis. Hey, don't forget to uh, check out my website at AskCoachWolf.com for all sorts of uh, resources and books, my blog and podcast. You can find it all at AskCoachWolf.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf as well. And, of course, with spring in the air, we're talking about Little League Baseball and uh, the concerns and the problems and hurdles that Little League Baseball is beginning to encounter uh, in in recent years. And my guest is uh, Steve Callis. We're talking about all these various things. Uh, You know, Steve, just a quick reminder. We'll go through this quickly. You know, for years and years, Little League Baseball maintained an an unshakable belief that a ball coming off an aluminum uh, bat did not have a greater exit speed velocity than a ball off a wooden bat. They were exactly the same. I still find that just mind-boggling and hard to believe. I even recall Mike Musina, who grew up not far from Williamsport and uh, I believe uh, served on the Little League board. Yep. He said, "You know, yeah, there's exactly it's no difference." I, but <laughs> I got so many calls from listeners and coaches and parents uh, saying, reaching out to the show in bewilderment, saying. Look, anybody goes out and throws batting practice to a kid, if they have an aluminum bat versus a wood bat, you, you know, you're know, you taking your life in your hands just because of the, 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 the trampoline effect off an aluminum bat. Now, Steve, we did lots of shows about people, kids getting seriously injured with aluminum bats. Finally, Little League Baseball seemed to sort of wake up, but it took a long time for them to figure this out.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and no matter what they say, they... they maybe can get into the neighborhood of a wood bat, but they can never get to a wood bat. And of course, as you know, the other knocks are the sweet spot on an aluminum bat is much bigger than it is on a wood bat. Yep. And also, as you know from playing in the old, old days like me, you hit a ball off the handle of a wood bat, especially if it's a little cold out, good luck with the ball going 30 feet. You hit a ball off the handle of an aluminum bat today, you can get a bloop single to left or a bloop single up the middle. So there are still differences. Uh, when we first started doing it, they were really, weapons it was the wild wild west and just to give you a sense even today what it is with little league if you go to little league's website and you're looking (laughs) for a bat for your kid there are 91 pages of approved little league Uh, bats it's unbelievable 17, 17 on a page that's over 1500 bats and oh by the way rick Many, many of them, i say about three-quarters of them, at the end of what the bat is, Marini or Rawlings or Easton, at the end there's a link that says Shop Now. So if you want, <laughs> you can click on right there and get that bat that appro- that's I, approved, and I'd love to know if Little League gets a piece of that action.
1: Well, and of course, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fact is it is un- it's so, and I was laughing because I've been to the website, and you say, what is this? This is like something that is just, you can't believe it. It's uh, just endless pages of like all these bats that are uh, for sale.
0: And, Rick, if I could say one more thing. Of course. So, I spoke to my friend Todd Sliss, who you're familiar with. He covered your two hour primetime special out at Yogi Berra Museum. What is that, 10 years ago now? Yeah, or Todd
1: Sliss, was. Uh, fine fine sports uh, uh, editor yeah, at the he's, Scarsdale Inquirer, he's yes. The
0: sports editor of the Scarsdale Inquirer, among other things. But he ha- now has kids, and he still covers Scarsdale baseball and Edgemont baseball, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to him, and he said, yeah, aluminum's still king. Everybody uses aluminum, nobody uses wood. I spoke to my friend Joe Heine. Up in Connecticut, yeah. Everybody in the Redfield Little League, yeah, they use aluminum. That's just the way it is. So the notion that you can make the statement, Little League can make the statement, they're the same. Even Mike Mussina, God bless him, uh, is a joke because if you give anybody a choice, they're gonna, for the most part, use aluminum.
1: Yeah, and just to be, you know, to be, you know, to fill in the rest of the gap here, you know, Little League baseball finally decided that uh, the bats that they approve. Uh, you know they they like the BB core bats because they are designed to have the same kind of trampling effect that that wood bats have, not aluminum bats, wood bats. But and most kids do use the BB core bats. But aluminum, it's still out there, and it's still, in my mind at least, and I'm sure yours as well, Steve. It's still still dangerous. So correct. I, I, I oh, look, we only got a few more minutes left here, and I do want to get a sense. Look, we know little league baseball. Like any baseball uh, organization these days is having difficulties. What do you think? What do you think, Steve? What is the future of Little League Baseball? We going to see the numbers continue just to, to, to dwindle and drop down, and Little League Baseball becomes like uh, an American tradition just goes by the boards, or how can they? How can they change this? How can they make corrections? How can they make it better?
0: I. I... I don't think it's going to go by the boards. It's still baseball. No matter whatever level they try and kill baseball, including the major leagues, Rick, they can't kill it. To me, it's still the best sport by far. But I have two thoughts. The first one is to reach out. And I know there are Little League programs like this, but I'll give you an example. When my son played in the Elmsford Little League, this was a combination neighborhood. You know, some kids were affluent, some kids were poor. Um, we set up an individual scholarship fund for people who couldn't afford it. They just wrote to us anonymously. I think Little League should have a national program, and they might be able to tell you, we do this, we do that, we do this, but I don't think anybody should be rejected from Little League for lack of funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not travel baseball. You need money. That's a whole other problem, um, because that's you get you can get Well into over a thousand or into two thousand dollars with all the traveling you do, but specifically to get kids in lesser, uh, affluent neighborhoods to play little league baseball. To me, you have to make it totally free, including giving them for sure, a glove, and at least giving them access to bats. Like when we were in the Little League, they had, you know, the the manager brought up four bats in there, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing they could do. On the other side of it, on the coaching side of it, I think there should be specific programs, not just about how to coach and deal with kids, that's all great, but how to make practices more interesting. When I was a kid and my father was the Little League coach, he'd hit one guy would hit grounders to the infield while somebody would be in the outfield hitting fly balls to the outfield and someone would be behind the fence flipping soft toss. Soft toss so little kids could get all the swings they wanted to get into a fence. Now you can also eventually do batting practice, etc. But to me, the notion of the kid in right field doing nothing is easily fixed in practice and then the game is the game where you can switch positions and have these kids somewhere else. When I was a Little League coach, very young kids, nine, ten years old, I would do the uh, lineup one through nine, and then the next game I would flip it and do it nine through one. And that way you would get your kids more at bats at the top of the order. It wasn't all about winning. I understand today it's probably more. It was always to some degree about winning, Rick. But more about
1: developing the kids and and skills, because we all know it's such a difficult sport to play and to master. Exactly, See, th- these suggestions are wonderful and uh, are easily implemented with a little common sense. And yeah, maybe Little League uh, can tap into its own, you know, coffers of millions of dollars to help, you know, keep the game going uh, where money is needed in in local. Uh, underprivileged areas. That yeah, and I'd also say, sense. Rick,
0: they can pay the umpires as well, oh, <laughs> but this <laughs> yeah. volunteer umpire notion, you just cringe when you watch it at Williamsport, so imagine if it's volunteer. In Elmsford, we used to pay the umps.
1: Yeah, I, I think good umps. I so, think these are all amazingly good suggestions. Steve, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm out of time, I'm, we're just getting going, but a lot, of, a lot of good observations, a lot of turf, a lot of things for people to think about when it comes to their kids playing Little League Baseball and whether or not Little League Baseball will continue on uh, all over the country, simple as that. Steve, my, my sincere, th- my, my sincere thanks as always for being on the show and for doing all this great research and insight into this. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again real soon.
0: Always a pleasure, Rick.
1: Thank you, Steve. That's Steve Callis, and that's it for this edition of my show. My thanks today to Pete Hoffman. Uh, stick around for Mark Malusis. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by
0: Progressive Insurance.